Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick, who's gutting through 100% humidity as Carlos Alcaraz in the fifth set against Novak for surviving. <sighs> out there. Uh, today we're going to talk a little Women's World Cup off the top, then we're going to do a bit of a dive into the Philadelphia Eagles and the Indianapolis Colts, uh, a couple of potentially New York offenses there. Uh, quick mention uh, of how just by putting words <laughs> into the air yesterday we were able to kill off two AL Cy Young candidates. Uh, we recorded before. Fran Valdez and Felix Bautista combined to give up 70 runs last night. Uh, Felix <laughs> bye-bye, I think. I think that's over for Felix. Fram is not bye-bye entirely, but certainly on life support. Uh, what do you make of that race now? Do you want to just say someone else's name? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think Garrett Cole is your de facto winner, right? Yeah, Garrett Cole is the de facto winner of the AL Cy Young. Put a bow on it. No, I, it, they didn't give up 70 runs. It just felt like 70. Um, and I think realistically, uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, how you perform at the end of season matters. Um, you know, how you perform when people are writing their columns and kind of making their decisions and putting their, you know, opinions pen to paper, putting them in ink. That matters. Uh, and so, yeah, we need to see these guys turn it around. Uh, um, but it reminded me of sort of the old, um, the old adage, which is uh, if you liked Framber Valdez at, at uh, five to one yesterday, <laughs> you're going to love him at eight to one today. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is with Valdez is now he just needs to throw another no-hitter and he's right back to where he was. That's all, all it takes. Just uh, doesn't even need a no-hitter. Just nine scoreless will do Framber. He can give up three or four hits. Uh, in there. I was looking at it today uh, as a coping mechanism with Garrett Cole. Uh, so I think that Cole right now is probably like a 3-3 ERA true talent kind of guy and he's overperforming a little bit at the moment. So if he goes 4-5 the rest of the way, he would finish at 3.25 on the season, I think. And I think it's an interesting thought experiment to be like, at what point does Cole's ERA make him a dog against the field? I think that number is about three one five. Okay. Obviously, there are other components to the race, but just as a quick snapshot, I think it's about three one five. And then I think that I would rather have the field. So that's very achievable. Like that, that can definitely happen. He's definitely not home. I think the market price now is about fair, but uh, 
yeah, let's see uh, where by the time that this drops, maybe Kevin Goldsman's given up 10 runs to you um, tonight and, uh, and that's done so as well. Anyway, we'll check back in uh, on that. But let's go to the Women's World Cup, which is the most exciting thing that's happening at the moment in sports. Uh, Australia, France, England, Colombia, uh, a couple of the exciting semis. Uh, in terms of the outright market, England plus 250 favourites. Uh, we've talked about how we don't like that. Spain plus 350 uh, to win, and they take on the Netherlands. And then Japan, Sweden, Japan are your third favourites at plus 450. Uh, anything be it in the game market or the outright that you like at the moment? Well, let's talk about a couple of key pieces of information because we're at the stage of the tournament where if you have accrued yellow cards or if you've gotten a red card, you are going to be serving a suspension in the quarterfinals. And that applies to two women, uh, the Netherlands' Danielle Van de Donk. Uh, she was actually a pretty important piece to their midfield. Um, she's rated as uh, the best or second best midfielder in all of the games they've played so far this season. She got her second yellow of the tournament uh, in the last match uh, against uh, South Africa, where the Netherlands come through 2-0, but it was not as impressive, not as inspiring as I think a lot of people were expecting out of this team. Uh, and that has really shaded the market. And so if you're kind of scratching your head as to how, uh, you know, the Dutch could be, uh, you know, relative... Um, I don't want to say long shots, but just not uh, you know, a better chance to advance here. They are plus 172 to advance, Spain minus 220. Uh, that is in part because I think Spain has shown you a higher ceiling over the balance of this tournament, despite the uh, embarrassing loss to Japan. Um, but even more so, I think uh, the absence of uh, Danielle van der Donk will matter. Um, Lauren James, of course, who we mentioned yesterday for England, she took the uh, she got a red card in the round of 16 against Nigeria. She will be unavailable against Colombia. Um, and, you know, she had sort of the two highest player grades of any woman in the tournament so far in her two matches uh, in the middle there. She was unimpressive in match one, um, but excellent in match two and match uh, three uh, to get the uh, the Lady Lions to the knockout rounds. Um, so she'll be missed. Um, I think realistically that does present a little bit of value in Colombia. Uh, if I was going to take one kind of long shot to advance price, it would be Columbia plus 322. Um, I am a noted Lady Three Lions doubter, though, so I may be biased in this uh, in this camp. Um, but if that that's kind of like the the little bit of uh, the chaotic upside pick that I like. Um, I think Spain comes through, but I think that's a cagey match. These two, uh, you know, having played a lot actually through European competition, there's a ton of familiarity between these two teams. Uh, most of the matches are 1-0, 2-0 uh, in the modern era as they have gone head-to-head. So um, I would say that in general, that looks like an undermatch to me, but at 2 two and a half for a total, that's probably fairly priced. If that goes up at all, I may look at uh, under two and a quarter there, but um, I think realistically, that's uh, this is a one nothing two zero, one nothing two nothing win for Spain, um, and then Japan, Sweden, Australia, and France, both too tough for me to call. I think uh, market has made Japan right now uh, meaningful favorite over Sweden, despite the fact that Sweden knocked out your Japanese at home at the Olympics in the quarterfinals. <laughs> Japanese, they got them three one last and uh, knocked them out uh, in the quarterfinals on their way to glory in uh, in Tokyo. Uh, and, uh, and then the, uh, yeah, the Australians and the French, both, um, teams that have had wild highs and lows so far in this tournament. And, uh, it kind of feels like you're flipping a coin there. Whoever comes out and has sort of the sharper day, I think prevails, but, uh, don't have a strong read. How are you? Yep. 
Yeah, well, to be clear, because some people uh, do ask me about my ethnicity sometimes. I'm uh, I'm not Japanese, but I do love <laughs> this Japanese soccer team. They do have a wager on them, so I am an honorary Japanese citizen at least until they get knocked out of this tournament, which is uh, which is hopefully never. But uh, look, I think they have been the best team so far. I think clearly in terms of their results, they have the, just how impressive they were in taking care of Spain for nothing as dogs. Uh, so. If you look at the XG stuff there, that was closer than the scoreline indicated. At the same time, I think that there are sometimes there are some wonky aspects of, of XG when your game plan is to sit back and then attack on the counter. Uh, and that's what Japan did against Spain. It's what Australia did against Denmark, which is, again, I think XG paints a, a kinder picture to the Danes than really um, the nature of that game. Uh, suggested where I think that was pretty one-sided and Australia, well, they very much earned their 2 nothing win and it, it really could have been more, if anything. So plus 450 on Japan when, you know, to advance against Sweden, they're minus 150. That's not very appetising. They would be dogs in the next round to Spain uh, by market, even though uh, they handled them last time. So you're probably off better just going game by game. The one bet I would say uh, is a play in the outright well, outright adjacent, is Colombia to be the runner-up in this tournament. Ooh. Where Often you get this with runner-up markets where it's like they've just taken kind of hot. It's like you're making them pick, just making everyone pick in the final. And that's not right. Colombia is going to be a dog against whoever they play in the final. So yeah. uh, I think they're 20 to 1, 22 to 1 range to be runner-up. And then they're 25 to 1 to win it all. Like that's not right. They need to be shorter to be the runner-up, more short to be the runner-up um, than that gap implies. So that would be my best bet at the moment. My gut sense from just watching the games is that I, I don't think England warrants uh, their heavy favouritism at the moment. Spain, uh, I think, have maybe been more impressive, but still some questions there. I think Japan and Australia uh, have been the most impressive teams that I've seen, and then Colombia are interesting as well. And I think they do have it in them to, to get to the final. So uh, Colombia, runner-up, uh, 20 to 1. Okay. Well, I'm excited to do some pods with you next week with your um, uh, Hinata Miyazawa uh, jersey <laughs> hanging in the background. <laughs> She's, of course, the leader right now for the uh, for the golden boot. Um, I, I, I guess uh, the... The take on Columbia, I had not even thought to look for that market. That's why that's what you get for digging in a little bit and kind of going a little bit off the grid. Absolutely incredible price there because if you parlay, you know, current to advance with Columbia, what they'll be, which would probably be, you know, plus 150 range against whoever they face in the next round. Uh, and then with the, you know, the, the price to lose the final, uh, yeah. the idea that you're getting anywhere close to 20 to 1 is insane, is absurd. Uh, yeah, so that's just, a... Now, I'm just to advance out of this and then to yeah. plus 150 to win yeah. the next one. And then they're going to yeah. be like, again... Yeah. I, I'd say like 1.6. Yeah, 1.6 to for their opponents to lift the trophy or higher. 1.5. I mean, if it's Spain, it would yeah. be the similar price to what England are against them. So I'd say on on average, top ahead, okay. maybe 1.4. Okay. And then it's like 15 to 1. And yeah. the scope, okay. I think, it's even to be 1.25 or something. So you're looking at 15 to 1 off of that. Um, and yeah, 20 to 1. I think there's some 22 to 1. Okay. Yeah, that's, just, that's wrong, I think. Well, to give uh, you a little bit of hope about uh, Japan, <laughs> by the way, uh, you know, it probably doesn't matter, but uh, there's only one nation. Who remains 
among the eight who has won the World Cup previously, and it is Japan. Uh, they, of course, were uh, the uh, the champions in uh, 2011 when the uh, Cup was held in Germany. I don't think there are any remaining players from the 2011 World Cup team that are still out there running around, but maybe. Um, either way, the, uh, uh, the Japanese do at least have a little bit of legacy to lean on. Yeah. They got the look, the Japanese. They got the Denver Nuggets championship look at the moment. <laughs> All right, before we go from uh, the Japanese women to the Philadelphia men, uh, with the NFL season quickly approaching, now is the perfect time to get your Roto-World Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Get ready for your draft and stay one step ahead of your league during the preseason with updated player rankings, profiles, projections, mock drafts, and more. Go to NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use code DRAFT2023 to save 20% at checkout. Set your mind free with a free plan from Fidelity. Start by organizing your plan around what matters most to you. As you go, you'll be able to see your full financial picture, which covers spending, saving, debt, and goals in one simple view. Get started by visiting fidelity.com slash free plan. Expenses charged by your investments and other costs and fees associated with trading or transacting in your account apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, the best team in the regular season last year. And uh, what were they? Were they minus 400 favorites uh, at halftime of the Super Bowl um, to get that done? And then Patrick Mahomes put on his God costume uh, and the rest is history. Uh, Obviously, they have a new offensive coordinator in Brian Johnson. Uh, Nick Sirianni is still there, though, which is, I think, the main thing. Uh, what is your outlook on the Eagles this year with pretty much the same uh, cast returning but a harder schedule on top? Yeah, I think uh, cast is probably the easy and like the the smaller, narrower distribution part of the discussion here because um, y- it kind of doesn't matter whether which set of grades, which set of ratings, how you want to evaluate player-level data – um, this is a top five offense on paper. Uh, it's a top two to five, uh, no, me, top one to five uh, offensive line. Uh, protection is sort of the anchor of what they want to do with Jalen Hurts behind the center. Jalen Hurts' ability to get the hard yards uh, on third and short, fourth and short. Uh, the mindset of the head coach and Sirianni is to how he sequences plays to set up uh, the third and short, fourth and short, as opposed to, um, you know, other 
you know, other coaches who elect to play for the punt or, you know, you know, just, just in general, don't have the same plus EV kind of conceptual framework for calling offense. Uh, you know, the, you put all the pieces together uh, with head coach and with personnel here. And this looks like an offense to me that is going to be in the running for most points scored this season. Uh, they're um, opposing defenses on their schedule. Um, medium, not especially hard. Uh, the opposing offenses on their schedule, though, are quite a lot harder than last year's. And so I think there is a realistic chance that with the turnover of personnel on the defensive side of the ball, um, that this uh, Philadelphia offense is, is absolutely live for most points scored this season. Um, to get to anywhere close to the same level of regular season success, I think they're going to need to be targeting 30 points a game. Uh, and I think realistically with uh, you know, the pair of wide receivers that you have in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and the way that they complement each other perfectly and the way that... Uh, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts continues to develop chemistry with those guys is, you know, that's sort of the all you need to really be able to, you know, say that this offense with confidence is going to be able to get to 30 points on a given day against an average defense. All this said, um, I really don't know what to make of um, the incoming um, uh, offensive coordinator here. He has been elevated through the ranks to this point, And pretty clearly with the success they had last year, they had to have some idea that Steichen was going to get uh, an offer from someone. Uh, and that, uh, you know, they, they, you know, realistically had visions set on this was what they were going to do uh, at the offensive coordinator position. And so there may be very little change at all. It may look very similar to what we saw last year because of Sirianni's fingerprints specifically. Um, all that said, if they pivot into minus CV's kind of tendencies, they're using the running back a little too much in the passing game or they're, you know, they, they, they decide that they want to try to get a little cute on fourth and one instead of the scrum play They're you know, they're doing some exotic stuff. Then I'm going to start to look squarely at the offensive coordinator as the reason that that's, uh, that that's happening. And, uh, you know, that's going to, give them, I think, a lower ceiling in terms of uh, getting back to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. Um, all that said, I think the Philadelphia Eagles still pretty clearly have, uh, you know, the upside to uh, to be the one seed in the NFC again. Um, you know, we talked about how, I mean, I think we're both bullish Cowboys. Uh, and that's that, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons why. Um, and at, I personally make Cowboys equals about a coin flip to win the uh, NFC East. And the fact that you're about a coin flip to win your own division, which means there's a 50% chance you're going road, road, road in the playoffs um, is enough to keep me from playing eight to one Super Bowl. It's definitely uh, enough that I think plus 260 to win the NFC is mispriced. Um, and you know, maybe for selfish reasons, I just kind of hope the Eagles go into the playoffs as a wild card team because I would absolutely love to handicap some matchups where they are clearly the better team. They're on the road, and the market isn't quite pricing that correctly in a way that you can get some value on the Eagles to make a couple of uh, to get a couple wins in, the, in on the road in the playoffs. So, um, very bullish about this offense. Uh, you know, taking a flyer on them to score the most points is uh, probably my favorite way to attack that. Uh, and then I think as long as you get health at the quarterback position, health at the wide receiver position, the rest is all going to work itself out. Yeah. I, with the Eagles, I think there was some skepticism about last season because th their regular season schedule was just an absolute farce. Their biggest test would have been at Dallas late in the season, yeah. but Jalen Hurts missed that game, so he didn't really get a true indication. I thought they played pretty well in that game. I mean, I think what people often forget is that 
destroying bad teams is a really good indication that you're a good team, like almost as much as winning a close game over you know another good team. And if that wasn't enough for people, I think the Eagles proved in the Super Bowl uh, that they were you know effectively the equal of Kansas City uh, and warranted that game being so close to pick. Uh, and they also destroyed, completely eviscerated a Giants team that by the end of the season – they weren't that bad, the Giants. I mean, to destroy them by, what, 30-plus in the way they did, uh, I thought was pretty impressive in the playoffs. They have an interesting thing this year where I think they have uh, just about the biggest dichotomy in the league of easy start to the season schedule-wise and mm-hmm. then brutal finish yeah. where, I mean, I'll just read it out. They start the season at New England, Minnesota, at Tampa, Washington, at Rams, at Jets, Dolphins, bit harder, at Washington, and then they have a stretch uh, around their bye where they go Dallas at KC, Buffalo, San Francisco at Dallas at Seattle. Like, that's brutal. That's just going to be about as hard of a stretch as any team will face. I mean, those are arguably Dallas, KC, Buffalo, San Francisco. Those might be the four best teams in the NFL along with the Eagles. And they're <laughs> going to play them five weeks in a row because they play Dallas twice. So I'm kind of hoping that you know, it's kind of fruitless to project out this far, but I think there's a good chance the Eagles will be unbackable NFC favorites come week eight if they yeah. start off seven and one or whatever. So I hope that they kind of have a tailspin uh, in that stretch and lose some close games and uh, a book overreacts and all of a sudden, you know, Brock Purdy's a heavy NFC favorite and the Eagles are there looming again. But I think this is the best team in the NFC top to bottom uh, right there. With the Cowboys, uh, is there any way that you like to bet the Eagles at the moment? Hurts, well, 11 MVP, 25 to 1 OPO. Let's go deep onto the point you just made because this is kind of the key, in my opinion, to constructing a plus EV future book in NFL betting, especially this time of year when you're making plays. Um, you, the way what you set up is absolutely true. The wins on this schedule are likely to come in the first half of the season which means we get to week eight, week nine, an unbackable favorite was the word you used. And I think that is absolutely perfect, right? Like the price will only almost certainly hit the top at that moment. And then they're going to struggle through this next stretch of their schedule. Uh, And I think, you know, you can say, well, what if they win all those games? Settle down. Like they're, they're at a rest disadvantage in two of those, both San Francisco and Dallas get many buys before they play Philadelphia in that stretch. They're at a travel disadvantage the second time they play Dallas. And then very notably when they go back to back from Dallas to Seattle. So um, really, really, really tough, tough stretch where you're talking about losing most likely three games, if not four. At that point in time, if you want to buy into the Eagles after that, sure. That's fine. But what you kind of need to decide now is if you, you know, if you want to shop for other alternatives at the time when you anticipate the Eagles are at the top, right? What is the optimal way to do that? There's not a ton of room for NFC to shorten. It's already at plus 260. There's not a ton of room for Super Bowl to shorten, in my opinion, at least, because they're probably going to be dogs in the Super Bowl, especially after what happened last year going off the small favorites against an injured Patrick Mahomes. Um, and so I think realistically, you have to make peace with the fact that the price is going to get shorter. Let it go. And then wait and decide as we get closer to the end of the season, we can kind of get a sense of what path looks like. 
uh, and or just bet them game by game once we get into the playoffs. So um, this looks like the five seed in the wild first t- the top wild card to me personally because I think the just the fact that the schedule is easier for Dallas tips the flip coin flip a bit in their favor, and so I'm hands off Eagles. That said, if Eagles are shortening, if Eagles prices are getting shorter, Jalen Hurts offensive player of the year twenty two to one is blaring out loud because he's potentially going to have double digit rushing touchdowns. He is potentially going to have his highest output from a passing standpoint. And kind of, as we set up, if the defense is conceding points and these guys are winning games because they're scoring into the thirties, you know, market makes them somewhere in the five to one range to score the most points this season. If they're clearly the top point scorer hurts is, statistical profile is going to look impossibly good and he is absolutely going to be in the conversation. So I think if you want to bet the Eagles this moment, put some Hurts offensive player of the year, 22 to one, 25 to one shop around, find your best price, put that in your pocket, watch that get shorter. And then I think we attack, uh, attack Niners, maybe Cowboys. If they aren't already, if they aren't also shortening, uh, once we get to the, you know, November timeframe. Yep. No, I like that. And I think, the way the futures market typically works as you get closer to the end of the season, from my experience at least, is that generally there's very little value in betting the wild card teams because the market just isn't giving you enough value for the fact that they have to go on the road repeatedly. This could be a little bit of a different situation because I would say on average, the if assuming health, if the five seed is Philadelphia or Dallas, I would guess that they're going to be favored in the first week against whoever the four seed is. It's going to be like the Saints or the Falcons or um, potentially a weak NFC North champion or the Seahawks or something. Uh, so usually the value I've found is actually more on the one seed and the two seed that <laughs> they're not being priced in enough the value of home field. Uh, I think that was certainly the case last season. So one to monitor, I think it would be very interesting where you have such a top-heavy NFC versus such a, um, I think, a more balanced AFC, at least in terms of, I mean, the the Ravens are the fifth favorite in the AFC. They would be, um, you know, I mean, they're they're right in that tier, I think, with the top teams in the NFC. Anyway, before we get to the Indianapolis Colts, a reminder that Big Ten Day is here. Break out your Big Ten school colors and celebrate the inaugural Big 10-day national holiday. Dust off your best gear. Share photos of your school with pride with hashtag Big 10-day. I'm a big Rutgers guy, Drew. I'm not. Yeah? (laughs) Wow. That was a surprise. uh, But I need to choose a Big 10 team this season. Um, It's not going to be Ohio State. I thought you were an Ohio State guy. No, 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 I hate Ohio State. Uh, They're out. (laughs) I think I'm going to be a Michigan guy just purely because uh, all the money that uh, Noah Ruggles cost me uh, against Georgia. (laughs) I'll never forget that moment. Real tough start to 2023, uh, getting texts from people feeling good that Ruggles was going to make the kick. I was like, he's a 5% chance from here. Look, he's terrifying. (laughs) Looks absolutely terrified. Uh, and sure enough, <laughs> it far, far left. Anyway, another team that's hooking it far, far left at the moment is uh, the Indianapolis Colts, uh, mm. who I just can't really, I can't believe how this team has fallen from two weeks left in the 2021 season, where they're everyone's sleeper to go to the Super Bowl. Really strong defense. Carson Wentz is kind of putting it together a little bit. Jonathan Taylor is uh, I think it was his second favorite in MVP at that point behind Rogers or very close. Uh, and then it has all fallen apart 
They lose to the Raiders at home uh, as eight-point favorites. They lose to the Jags on the road as 16-and-a-half-point favorites. They miss the playoffs, and then they hire a guy off TV to be their coach last year, and uh, they're just an absolute mess at the moment. But they do have Shane Steichen coming in. They have Jim Bob Cooter, the best name in sports. Uh, they have an interesting quarterback situation uh, with Anthony Richardson, who I'd say is the favorite to start at this point in week one. And then they have the whole Jonathan Taylor situation. Uh, what do you make of the Colts? Is there any way to bet them at the moment? Yeah, I mean, uh, it starts with uh, how you feel about what Shane Steichen did at Philadelphia and the degree to which you want to give him credit for turning a second-round choice in Jalen Hurts into an MVP candidate, right? If you would kind of go back in time and we we're recapping that draft, and at the time, you know, Carson Wentz was the entrenched starter. He had had some back injury issues, but he was the entrenched starter in Philly. They make the pick for Jalen Hurts. I think the fact that you would even, have, you know, if you had open a line, Jalen Hurts will be a top five MVP candidate in his life. Odds, would have, yes, would have been very, very long odds. And sure enough, two short years later, there, here he is. And it, you know, I think Shane Steichen was definitely instrumental in the development of Hurts as a passer. Um, and really just as an operator of the quarterback position. Um, and we get to see something really exciting, which is taking that same framework for quarterback development and applying it to a guy who has a higher athletic ceiling in Anthony Richardson. It is extremely easy to kind of pair what we you know what you know about the coach and what you know about the quarterback from a raw standpoint and be excited about the long-term prospects of the Colts as being an exciting offense and a competitive AFC. The idea that it's going to show up this year is long odds for me. And a ton of it comes from the, the reports, you know, specifically reflection of the reports you saw just this weekend. Anthony Richardson has back-to-back practices on Saturday and Sunday where he is absolutely just destroying the practice field. He's killing everyone. He's, he's, he is putting on a spectacle the likes of which he has never been seen in Indianapolis before at the quarterback position, which is, uh, you know, obviously hyperbole because Peyton Manning played there for many, many years. Um, but, you know, he's, he's, he's wowing uh, everyone there with eyes. And then yesterday he has his worst practice of camp where he can't complete anything. He's throwing, underthrowing guys down the sidelines, getting picked off by, you know, guys who are probably borderline roster players for this team, which is a bad roster. And I think you can basically tell, you know, I think you can telegraph that too. If he starts the season as QB1 for this squad, they're going to have wild ups and downs. Some weekends, they're—I mean—they're going to be—they're going to look like world beaters. They're going to be able to go toe to toe with the best offense in the NFL. And Anthony Richardson, if you know, with a good game, particularly from a passing standpoint, is going to get into the uh, high twenties, thirty points with uh, even with a kind of a subpar uh, skill set that they have in Indianapolis. Other weeks, he is going to specifically take them out of games with turnovers. And I think you live with those mistakes and um, and you hope that he continue—he improves over the balance of the season. Now their schedule is sequenced so that coming out of thereby they have an entire stretch of guys who are relatively unproven in terms of the quarterback position uh, with the exception of one game against uh, Joe Burrow in Cincinnati uh, everyone else is potentially a backup quarterback or a rookie starter or a second year starter so um, if he gets his act together by the time we get to Thanksgiving the Colts could be an, an 
awesome, awesome back down the stretch as he kind of finds his legs as a quarterback in the NFL. Uh, and I think that's my general you know, approach to betting them this season because I kind of think you just have to scratch a Colts game with Anthony Richardson as a starter in the months of September and October. Because if you go in with sincere confidence that they're going to sink and he lights you up, you're going to lose. <laughs> if you go in there believing in him and he throws three picks, you're going to feel bad. So I think there's enough, uh, you know, just enough of a complete uh, wild card about what you're going to get on a week by week basis that they're a pass for me to start. Um, but uh, excited to see his development as a player and, uh, you know, a long term believer in what they're doing there is going to work. Now, the rest of this roster, it's kind of worth mentioning. I kind of teased it, I guess, that their skill position group was kind of at the bottom end of the NFL. I have them ranked 24th. Their offensive line, I have ranked 19th overall. Both the defense and the offense are in the mid-20s for me. So I think ultimately this Colts team is you know, is going to be at a deficit a lot. Um, but I think the athletic upside you get from a guy like Richardson, uh, you know, asking him to, you know, kind of you know, once you kind of let the reins off and, and give him opportunity to play comeback mode, uh, the Colts might be a fun in-game proposition to bet with a deficit. So uh, that's sort of my general 10,000-foot view of this team offensively. But uh, I honestly think the uncertainty, the potential for turnovers, and in general, the weakness of the roster um, spells trouble as far as wins, as far as awards, uh, and in particular is, uh, uh, you know, potentially leads to them getting a little bit underrated as we get deeper into the season. Yeah. I mean, I'm worried about their defense, which was fine last year. That wasn't the problem, but the fact they lose Stefan Gilmore, Isaiah Rogers, who was really good last year, like they're starting cornerbacks on their first depth chart that they released. Daryl Baker Jr. and Dallas Flowers. That's not good. That's not oh. a, that's not an ideal situation. And then there's, I think they've got issues in safety. They get Shaq Leonard back, which helps. They haven't had a pass rush since Dwight Freeney. Uh, and then on offense, obviously, it all depends on Richardson. I don't really understand what's happened to Quentin Nelson, who the first three years of his career by PFF grade was a top three guard uh, in the league all three years and then hasn't cracked uh, the top 19 uh, the past two years. I know he dealt with injuries, but still that's not ideal. The offensive line, I think, is broadly uh, underperformed. And then at the skill positions, I mean, Pittman is fine. Taylor, if he's going to play, is obviously excellent. But, uh, yeah, I don't think it's the best context for Richardson to succeed. Do you think it's justified that Richardson right now has shorter O'Roy odds than, um, than C.J. Stroud? I don't. Um, I'd rather have Stroud. I think I would too. Uh, Stroud is probably going to give you uh, more of a steady Eddie kind of a performance as opposed to Anthony Richardson, who's more boom bust on any given week. That's my general read. Uh, I think the fact that, uh, you know, the, I honestly don't think either guy realistically is worth the current market price, but if you made me choose between the two, I would take Stroud. Yeah, I think Bijan is just the best there. Uh, <laughs> I think when a guy is going top eight in fantasy drafts uh, and he's plus 300 to an O'Roy and not a particularly inspiring field, I don't think that coheres. I think Bijan is is like a 40% chance to win that award. Maybe that's a little bit high, mm-hmm. but I don't think he's I think he's more than a 25% chance, which is what the market is implying. Can I ask uh, can I ask you an opinion question? Yeah. What do you think? If uh, Richardson is named the week one starter, what do you expect to happen with the uh, the current line as they host the Jaguars who are trotting out this new look wide receiver group against the 31st best 
defensive backfield in football. I mean, I don't think it's really going to change. Isn't it kind of baked in that the expectation that he is going to start, the fact that he was listed as a co-starter on the first depth chart with Gardner Minshew, I think that's a pretty good sign that Anthony Richardson is going to start. If it was going to be Minshew, I would have thought that, you know, they would just give it to the vet from the start and make it clear um, that it's Minshew's job and then maybe Richardson will come in at some point. But I think the market's probably reflecting that um, that Richardson is is going to start. But, I mean, what do you think? Uh, it tends to move regardless, <laughs> right? You say right. baked in. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you say it's baked in. Maybe that that that's fair, but uh, um, it's a big difference for me in terms of total, um, depending on whether it's, it's Minshew or Richardson, right? I mean, Richardson makes the Colts more live uh, for week one, I think, but uh, he also kind of makes the total go up. Uh, I think uh, Minshew is such a safe safe operator of the quarterback position such a low risk such a uh un- so unlikely to take the big swings that uh i would pretty quickly look for an under 43 and a half if uh, we got word that it was Minshew. and um you know so maybe once kind of there's you know for sure uh confirmation on richardson we could see 43 and a half tick across 44 and then vice versa it would go down to like a flat 43 if it's Minshew. yep i think that makes sense all right, we are done. Uh, hopefully, we didn't murder any more ALSI young candidates uh, while talking about the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those of you watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. If you're listening to us in podcast form, please don't forget to rate and subscribe. And also, a reminder to find all your favorite shows on Amazon Music Amazon.com slash MBC Sports Today Crouch and Brudinsic we'll be back tomorrow For 25 years Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.